Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, and especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Hey, 40 minutes. Hey, give me a picture. Get him tight, man. Get him tight. Every 40 uh, minutes. Who is Dorothy married to? She's not married to anybody. Who is she fucking marrying? Tommy. Yeah. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. Henry Wadsworth. What a long fellow. Where's the bad guy? It's the... It is McCall. Nothing? McCall. Yeah. What? Just nothing? Just a lot of characters. Why did you call him a long fellow? I'm confused. What are you talking about? Henry Wadsworth? And they said, what a long fellow? Nothing? So those are two separate... This, okay. when, uh, please Fine, explain don't it worry about for it. the people in the back. They're different people! What? Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Oh. American poet and educator. He was a hack. Ooh. Talk, song talk Hiawatha. Shit, Ooh, activist. Hack. Are we recording right Entrepreneur. now? God damn it, you did it again, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> Wow, I can't believe... But we've been recording for days. Is there a different Wadsworth? Who the fuck was I thinking of? You were thinking of uh, Clocksworth from The Beauty and the Beast. Were you thinking of Cogs? Yeah, you were thinking of... Uh, Honestly, kinking. probably, maybe thinking You were kinking of, of a Wadsworth orange. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back in the game, baby. I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm back. Hey, how, you yeah, blew your I'm nose how much time you got in there. Oh, Wadsworth. How much toilet paper you use? Every <laughs> day I mourn <laughs> for death. Boo. Boo. Alright. Uh, Are we just starting? We I don't know uh, what to say. What are we going to say about thank, the fucking Thin Man? Thank you for listening to Try Love. We're talking about the Thin Man today. I think you can hear this. Oh, what kind of podcast are we? We are a film podcast. If you had to Thank describe the kind of nature of the conversation that we have, we're uh, this is a literal uh, podcast around a circular table. If you were to focused on classic films from uh, all decades of the 1900s. Aren't you guys going to record like all decades of the 1900s? <laughs> <laughs> and today we're talking about one from the third decade of the 1900s. It is called The Thin Man, directed by W.S. Van Dyke. Uh, classic uh, I- I- I launch of the Thin Man franchise, starring William Powell and Myrna Loy. It's actually been the fourth decade of uh, the 20th century. Eat my shit. Just saying. We should just abort this whole thing and start over, huh? Uh, the podcast and this episode. I'm Jason. And my wife. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. I'm Harry. And we have a special guest today, as I said last time. Nick Ransbottom. Nick Ransbottom is in from West Virginia. Take yes. me home. <laughs> nope. Country roads. Didn't like it the first time. Don't like it now either. Maybe he's a city guy and he just doesn't We'd like call country roads. City boy. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, well I am from the capital, so. Yeah, there we go. It's about as city as you can get. City <laughs> boy and country roads. Take him home. <laughs> country roads. Uh, so yes, uh, it's based on the novel *The Thin Man* by Dashiell Hammett. Uh, and it's about a thin man, but uh, famously not, really. not not about not named after the main character, but later came into that. What what is that called? What is that effect called? When like 
the the branding of something supersedes the actual like subject oh, of it. Oh, wrong. Wait, no, I'm thinking of something else. I think it's called wrong. wrong. Being wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd forgotten what it's what it's like to be wrong. It's not the Streisand effect. That's something else. No, I think. No. No. That's that's a concept of like if you don't want something to be known. Oh, yeah, and you right. like yeah. publicize the fact that you don't want it to be known, and then it becomes known because of that. That's the rubber Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is, of, uh, it's not the Thin Man. It's not the Thin Man. Cognitive dissonance. That's it. Ludo narrative dissonance, yeah. I think, is the name mm-hmm. of the yeah. phenomenon you're describing. Famously. <laughs> Just made uh, Nick water fall out of this building. <laughs> Aaron, I hope that you have something to say about this movie because I don't. Yeah, Hit it. Uh, okay, you, so. you can just say that on this podcast about talking about movies. I don't have anything to say about this movie. Hit it. Uh, the Thin Man, 1934 movie directed by W.S. Van Dyke, uh, based on. You already on said that. Hit it. Based on a novel the called Thin Man, The Thin Man. 1934 movie directed by W.S. Van Dyke based on a novel of the same name by Dashiell Hammett. I already said that. So what happens in this film is 1934 that... 1934 movie directed by W.S. Van Dyke based on a novel of the same name by Dashiell Hammett. William Powell and uh, Myrna Loy uh, star as Nick and Nora Charles. Um, Nick, Nick and Nora's a, Infinite Playlist. Is that a good movie? That actually is a reference to this movie. They are is exactly referencing this. I haven't For seen it. For what reason, so. I don't, I don't know. know. For the hipsters who probably, saw that movie, yeah, because yeah. their chemistry yep. is so good. Yeah. Do you know this movie from the That's third, excuse bad. me, the fourth decade of the twentieth century? Yeah. That's like the big thing I have to say about this movie. So. Yeah. Well, we'll get it. Uh, so Nick is a uh, detective who retired after marrying into wealth. Nora's family is kind of very wealthy, owns lots of assets and shit, and so he marries in uh, to the family, and he's retired. He's no longer a detective, but he was kind of this notorious um, detective who uh, was has been out of the case for like four years, mm-hmm. and he is kind of drawn back into the world of detective Every dome. time. They pull me back in. Uh, they pulled him back in uh, specifically because... He's uh, thinking he's back. He's pulled back into a murder mystery regarding... This is like the film Twister. A mi- you know, the film Twister. Are you back? I'm not back. Hit it. But he was back. Twister. He's pulled back into a, a miss, <laughs> missing person. Twister. Missing. I could finish a this thing person, in like 10 seconds. A missing ten person mystery regarding an inventor. Uh, his daughter approaches William Powell, Nick Charles, to help solve the mystery of his of her missing father. Carrie Yules is in that movie. Do you remember that? Yules? Twister? Is that Yules how you You're talking about Carrie Elwes? Yeah. Never mind. Carrie Yules? Fuck off. Do you not know how to play? Run the Yules? I like the stream of consciousness format for this episode. Tight 40 minutes. <laughs> the, thin, the thin pod. <laughs> thin on content. Thin on brains. Wow. Hit it. That was mean. Yes, uh, Clyde Winant is the kind of the, the thin man of the title. He is a the titular role. He is the father. I'm, I'm ten, 10 seconds is all I need. That's <laughs> literally all I need. I can finish this. So Clyde Wynant is the father who is missing. Finish it. Yes. Uh, Dorothy Wynant is going to marry a uh, man named Tommy, who's in this movie for like two seconds, and they're going to get married, and she shows up uh, to her father's laboratory in order to uh, kind of announce her intentions or their intentions to marry, and he says that he is going away on a business trip for a number of months, but he will be back before... Uh, the end of the year uh, in order to be there for their wedding. Um, and uh, after that, he disappears. And the movie kind of 
involves this case of this missing man who is uh, kind of questionable is, is a number of people associated with him begin being kind of knocked off. One yeah. by one. One by one. Suspects are killed and people start to disappear regarding the disappearance of this. So basically the movie is played out as, uh, as sort of a, a comedic, um, almost slapstick-y uh, comedy of errors regarding the solving of this mystery. Um, and the more the further and further along they get the more and more knotted it gets it's very like noiry in structure until yeah. like but with but it's also madcap like it's yeah, funny exactly it's, like, it's almost it's not quite a farce because it's not making fun of detective tropes right it's just a funny detective it's movie it's dotted with all these bits of humor yeah. centered mainly around Nick and Nora who are uh, just these very quippy very on the same level yeah. of comedy and William Powell and uh, Myrna Loy, uh, incredible in these roles. Yes, are the reason to see this movie. They, they really are. That was like my big takeaway. Uh, is that like two of the three? Um, there's a very good dog in the movie too. There's a very good dog yes, in the movie. Played like by the Skippy. Skippy. What? Yo, we, get, uh, we can get into that. I was going to bring it up. It might be I, the I least def- the, defensible opinion anymore. anyone's ever had on this podcast. Uh, I want to hear it though. easily. I, we don't have to. Uh, so uh, this is off Wikipedia, but film historian uh, Andrew uh, Sarah said that Nick and Nora were the first on-screen Hollywood couple uh, for whom matrimony did not signal the end of sex, romance, and adventure. Ooh. And I think part of the joy of watching this movie is that they are a married couple uh, who clearly, clearly still love each other. Uh, they are very, like, this back-and-forth kind of humor where they, they don't take each other's shit in this kind of very Great entertaining way. They're um, equals. They have a mutual respect for each other. Uh, they give each other a lot of shit, but underlying that shit is, a is in my opinion, a foundation of respect and mutual sort of uh, understanding. Um, and, yeah, it's super fun. My hot take is that, like, this is maybe my favorite depiction of a married couple that I've seen in a movie. Oh, it's very good. And it feels, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, it feels very weird to see it in a 1934 movie. Yeah, definitely. Like, when a lot of, and I won't say that this movie is particularly progressive in its depictions of a lot of gender roles and stuff, but, like, in particular, time, in yeah, particular, maybe, Lloyd's yeah. role is, like, she is swarthy. She's, like, downing, she's, she uh, holds her own mostly with, like, drinking alongside Nick, who is, like, they're both functioning alcoholics. Yeah, yes. which is also, like, uh, for Dashiell Hammett fans, like, a hilarious sort of uh, reference. Dashiell Hammett uh, is a, a famous mystery, mystery writer, famous alcoholic, and, like, all of his characters are like that. They, like, yeah. they're, they're smart asses who, like, drink inhuman amounts of alcohol. <laughs> and so, like, it's almost a parody in this movie where, like, I think Nick Charles wakes up at one point and just, like, pours himself a scotch immediately. And it's, like, fucking, <laughs> like, so seven in so the morning or something. And he's, like, in his pajamas and he's drinking a scotch. It's so funny. Did Dashiell Hammett also, really quickly, a uh, total badass. Uh, yeah, he's a, a fascinating yeah, human he, being. Yeah, he, early in his life, he was a union buster with, uh, I think, the Pinkertons and was kind of a dick. Rough. And then changed from that to being uh, a communist. He was blacklisted for being a total... Uh, uh, red Dope. Uh, and refused to snitch on uh, fellow communists as well and went to jail for it. His his detectives characters are autobiographical, especially Sam Spade, uh, a character who um, despises the way that his profession's used and loves his profession. Um, much like Dashiell Hammett, who was a person who I, I think biographers usually say legitimately loved being a detective and loved his work and uh, was also like really torn up and eaten up inside by the effect that his work had specifically that he was a detective busting unions for the Pinkertons and so like he he was doing this thing that he enjoyed doing and affecting so much bad through doing it mm-hmm. and so uh, his detective stories were a sort of catharsis for him. This is to, like a very joyful take on 
on the concept of being a detective. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it's it's very comedically driven. Uh, but he, he was very interested in what detectives and what power structures affect through the, the process of their work and how that... Uh, can it can affect evil and and what that does to the detectives and to the people around them um Maltese Falcon is like all about that uh, mm-hmm. a lot of Dashiell Hammett stuff is that's sort of like uh he was like maybe the most influential detective or mystery writer yep. ever uh <laughs> or he's up there at least yeah, he's but up there for sure all um, of that is um interesting just kind of alongside the dynamic of even like halfway through uh the thin man like Nick Charles has not like consented to taking on this case he's still at the point where people are trying to like get him back into the fold um and i didn't know this about the author um and i don't know if that sort of dynamic is i mean we're introduced to the the charleses and their dog just like through two separate like quips and instances of them drinking and like we don't actually get into the detectiving until like a little bit into the second half of the movie. Yeah, it's it's kind of this whirlpool that like he slowly is sinking into uh, over time. As he he doesn't want to. You can always tell tell like he he really enjoys doing it, and he maybe wants to kind of do it. But he's he's living this life of luxury, right? Like he he wakes up, he orders a bunch of drinks, he hangs out with his wife that he, he loves. There's a great quip where he says. Uh, Somebody's like, or his wife is like, why don't you take that case? And he says, oh, I'm too busy uh, making sure you don't lose the money I married you for. <laughs> uh, again, like really great quips in this movie. There's so many good quips. Yeah. There's a, there's a, and she, she doils them out too. Like the, there's a scene. She doils on. them out. <laughs> the it's doles. But I called him Carrie she Elways doils. earlier. Doils. So Just pretend I'm doing it with like a, a kind of accent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she doils them out. She doils them out, say. Yeah. Um, we should talk that way for the rest eat. of this podcast. There's a there's a scene near the beginning where he is just dr- slamming martinis, you know, and he's talking to a bunch of different people, and he keeps ordering uh, drinks from the bartender. And uh, his, his wife shows up, and he's uh, she says, uh, "Oh, how many how many martinis have you had?" And he says, "Well, with this one, it's my sixth. And she has a martini, and she says, "All right, waiter, uh, bring please me bring me five more martinis. Just line them up right in front of me like yeah. this. Um, it's good. It, it is. It is like they're just." That's what carries this movie for me is Absolutely. is those two characters in the uh, interplay, which maybe my favorite scene in the movie. I'm sorry if I interrupted you, but it's it's in Act One. They're throwing a um, a dinner party, which parallels the dinner party at the end. But but people from the case, as the case unfolds, keep coming into the dinner party, sort of crashing it and trying to get uh, Nick's opinions. And meanwhile, there are these two detectives or these two inspectors who think he's taken the case and are trying to... Or no, they're not inspectors, they're reporters. They're trying to get a quote. They're trying to get a quote from him and he keeps saying, like, I'm not on the case. But meanwhile, the case literally comes it's to happening him. right and uh but meanwhile like there are all of these people at this party and like that's how it it's that's how you're characterizing these two characters as like these are these are people who are like in this sort of like i think they're referred to as leisure class on wikipedia yeah. and like they're this is their world and then the detective world like comes to them and yeah. like meets them um i, I think there's yeah no, I'm sorry. Uh, so I think it's interesting that, um, you know, th- this movie is incredibly fast-moving. It's an hour and a half long. Uh, the scenes just go by like this. Like, it'll cut directly to... It'll cut directly from a conversation to the action. You know, it's, considering that it is kind of noir it doesn't have really the same kind of slow, kind of smoky pace. atmosphere that yeah. you might expect. Um, but this movie does work. Yeah, those, those uh, dinner party scenes are so good because you get so long, and it is kind of like a comedy of airs where like these characters are coming in from one room into another room yeah um, this is time to breathe very nearly a stage play right like mm-hmm. that the apartment that they inhabit is like 
where the grand majority of the scenes take place. And I think, like, what is it? There's also, like, the factory and somebody else's apartment, and that's, like, pretty much the majority. I mean, there are cab rides. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I it, it almost all takes place inside this apartment. I was going to say there's a really good line. Uh, the Grant's Tomb? Grant's Tomb is a great line. Yeah, that, that was one I thought of. Yeah, yeah go for there, it. There's a, a scene where um, uh, Nick is going with uh, a police detective to check out, uh, or go, in, you know, interrogate a suspect, and... Uh, Nora wants to come along, and uh, you know they don't really want to come along because she's not a detective, she's not a member of the police force, and so she's getting into a cab, and she's like, "Well, you can't, you can't leave me behind." And then he uh, he tells the cab driver, uh, "Grant's tomb," and then they both kind of step away, leaving Nora in her own cab. And then later she calls him, uh, and and he says, "How was Grant's tomb?" And she says, "Very good. I'm having a replica made for you." Yeah, it's <laughs> <That's> good, <laughs> really good. There's just little shit like that every. 15 seconds. Yeah, I, I like at one point at the party, uh, this this drunkard uh, party guest says, like, I just think your husband's the best. And she says, well, I'm so glad somebody does. <laughs> I also have that. Yeah, down. so good. Yeah, I wanted to get your take on it. You sent me a message, Nick, about how you have some thoughts about this movie. Yeah, they're not they're not very good thoughts. <laughs> I think we Talk can get into those. You mean not positive? Or not, not positive. Oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really don't have much to say. I just, I did not like it. Uh, I love the dialogue, but only really between Nick and Nora, uh, and everything else. I just, oof, boy, it felt a lot longer than ninety minutes for me. Wow. It was just think, a slog it for you. Yeah. Like it felt like it was going slow, or no? Like I, there's just something about it that seemed all over the place. Hmm. It's uh, and there are movies, you know, from that era, even before that I really like, like Dinner at Eight, Babyface, where I think like there was really solid editing and everything, and then this, it's like. They cut to a 10-second conversation, then they cut back, and then they cut back, and it's mm. just disorienting. It is disorienting. Also, the way that it's constructed is tough, because it's this sort of, like, very insular uh, high society, and every everybody in this movie knows each other, and they all have sort of nebulous relationships to one another, right? Yeah. Like, the uh, eponymous thin man, uh, Gilbert Winant, he, like, has an ex, he has a secretary... His secretary is with someone else now. His uh, ex is with somebody, I believe. There are daughters, uh, sons. There are affairs happening. Um, so, that, like, unpacking and, and understanding everybody's roles and relationships to one another makes this a pretty tough movie to follow. Mm-hmm. The same way that a lot of Dashiell Hammett books are, like, well, a lot of mysteries, mysteries are. Like, Miller's yeah. Crossing famously is, is sure, like that a lot. Sure. Um uh, Big Lebowski like lampoons that by being completely like, nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, it it like it plays to what I felt about the movie is that like that relationship between Nick and Nora is clearly the standout part. It's why you watch this movie. It's the most entertaining, most compelling part. But like all of the rest of the movie is just really crammed into dialogue. Like this movie has very little music, weirdly little music. Uh, it's really just, like, stings and transitions. There's no, like, scene setting or, like, when he's creeping through the factory at night, there's no, like, you know, soft, lilting... None of what you'd expect from a classic film like this. Um, but, yeah, a lot of it, uh, and I see where it may have bounced off for you, Nick, is that it does just, like, a lot of exposition, a lot of relationships, a lot of dialogue, a lot of, uh, like, things that you might need to know to really, like, appreciate the scale of this mystery are just crammed into very, very quick dialogue and just yeah. a lot of it. The, and the mystery does feel a little, like, even more incidental than uh, most Hamill mystery, Hammett mysteries. And Dashiell Hammett, I believe, uh, 
this I could be wrong, but uh, I think he was the person who famously said that that the mystery is incidental. That like hmm. the structure of mysteries are to get characters, his characters, into these places, and not necessarily like the the who done it and the stuff is like just interesting enough to be set dressing to get characters where he wants them to be so they can have conversations and mm. i think that really shows here right because like frankly the mystery was also not interesting to me no. yeah uh yeah and, and i think i think the movie generally works despite that but yeah the actual, i think it, yeah i think it's delightful I mean, to the mystery be itself is a, maybe even a little nonsensical specifically in regard to how it wraps up uh, yeah, yeah they d- they also do the thing where like uh it's it's like a huge pet peeve i have for mysteries where like it turns out that the murderer had to be the most meticulous impossible genius ever to like do what he was doing and like goes way out of his way to uh, create this extremely complicated tableau where it was like okay like we're gonna put quicklime on this guy's clothes we're gonna replace the clothes we're going to bury him under concrete so that when they find these clothes they'll think it was a different guy because like he wouldn't wear clothes that were this big and like we're going to do this and that and the other and like he thought of everything except for this one thing and it's just like I don't, like that's just not how people are i don't know i yeah yeah the yeah the, i agree that the mystery itself is not all that important should we talk um, about the mystery i sorry go uh, ahead uh, well i was just going to say like when um like everything uh like that the mystery is presented through basically when this movie decides to settle in and actually like be a noir um i think it looks really great um the first sequence where like we haven't even met the charleses yet um where we're just kind of setting up um like the it's the prologue to this entire story it's everything yeah the winets we meet first we meet dorothy and her right. uh her fiance right. and then her uh, father Gilbert. dorothy and tommy yeah and then um well the the father is uh is clyde gilbert's the oh i'm sorry the nerdy yeah. sibling yep. who horrible holy just, just awful oh my god this movie. <laughs> I, I he's, loved his bits i he's thought a, they were so funny he's a bespectacled <sighs> academic dweeb who knows yeah, nothing he, about how to talk to people like, <laughs> It was what really you had a perfectly it was really motive. yeah it was really tough to see him it was like looking into a <laughs> looking into a mirror uh, it was it was pretty tough to to watch yeah it's like damn right that dude's like talking about like mm, you have a Freudian complex and I was like ah fuck yeah then like, he admits he has a mother fixation yeah, yeah. what's the, what's the like, fuck he's talking, yeah. he's talking so to his good. fucking sister and tells her that she has an Oedipal complex because apparently she's like showing a little bit of interest in Mr Charles right yeah. like a little bit of a fascination and a preclusion with him the the start of the second Act the party that a few of us had talked about. Um, like that uh, one of the best sequences in the movie. Um, at the point when Gilbert arrives, he is talking very dorkily to some strangers about something. Um, I can't remember what, but he is lured away by the hat that he is wearing on his head that Nick takes off and kind of waves at him like <laughs> a dog. Like, get it when it's hot. <laughs> and he's like, Gilbert, uh, he, like, he does. <laughs> he does get owned a lot in this movie. Like most people, yeah. just shut him down whenever he's talking, which is nice. Yeah. But he's just a good outlet for all of the things you might hate about right. about this yeah. movie and about this character. Uh, right. Um, oh, be, yeah. The opening sequence where um, we watch Clyde Wynant, uh, quote unquote, the thin man, um, kind of navigate through a few scenes, and then the um, Jason the factory sequence that you uh, alluded to. Um, basically, just Nick and Asta the dog wandering uh, around Clyde's factory, which is theoretically abandoned just so we could look for clues 
Um, the staging and lighting of that scene was tremendous. I don't know if anybody had any thoughts. Yeah, on that. I just I just yeah, thought especially that was that really great. Scene, I thought it was good. Yeah, it was also just as like a breath of fresh air because there was no dialogue there. I mean, very little dialogue. Yeah, he was it talking was, on the phone. He it was super quiet. Yeah. yeah, the lighting and shadows in this movie are really great. Right. Um, like I said, despite being stage played like, um, yeah, it it preserves the like. Uh, the like really conscious sensibilities of light and shadow that characterize a lot of really great noir stories. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, should we try to should we try to summarize the the central mystery? Uh, I'll start. <laughs> I'll start because every time we leave it to Aaron, it like I could. All I need I, is fifteen I, I age, seconds. I age. Twenty five seconds. I literally timed years. you earlier what? when you were like, "This will take me ten seconds." <laughs> yeah. It took us forty-one, just over forty-one okay, seconds before we went. <laughs> it's called good writing. It's called scope creep. Yeah. Okay, I I yeah. might be missing yeah. elements of the plot. We needed but a I'm trello for that <laughs> plot summary. Uh, Nick is contracted to solve the mystery of uh, Deborah's missing father, Clyde. Yep. He has. Uh, yeah. He left with his ex-wife. Bonds, fifty thousand dollars worth of bonds, that she claims to have spent. Correct? Mm-hmm. Am, am I off on the wrong foot? Harry's looking. I, like I just think so. Rub, yeah. Rub oh, shit uh, on his yeah. upper yeah. lip. Uh, well, I mean, he's not like the mystery isn't where uh, Clyde is. It's that somebody was murdered. Um, Who was murdered? The oh, first yeah, person she was. was. Yeah, like the, ex, the mystery ex- of Clyde's disappearance doesn't factor into yeah, it. They fair. think he did it for a, a long time because he disappeared. That's technically a mystery of disappearance. You, nobody has ever contracted to solve Clyde's disappearance. You were just wrong from okay. the very beginning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is what happened there. No. In his defense, it does say that in the plot summary. When you does it really? the movie. Yes. Yeah. Dorothy kind of wants. Yeah. It starts with looking for her missing father, oh, and then okay. it goes from there. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was a great move. Hey, yeah. does somebody else want to <laughs> summarize this mystery that I know yeah. the most about? <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. Yep. I just wanted to own Jason. Yeah. Milk toast mac and I was yeah. turned around yourself. on myself. Yeah. All right, I As always somebody else take so it. So there's a few scenes at the beginning where Clyde, uh, where you're with Clyde, who's the, the thin man who later disappear. Um, essentially, before he goes on this, air quotes, business trip for a few months that he's not telling anybody Spoilers, else Spoilers, he didn't actually go. Wow. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Ten seconds. All I need is ten seconds. Uh, <laughs> t- hey, time it. Watch, this is going to be under ten seconds. Uh, so Ready before, go. okay. So before he goes on the trip, he goes to uh, one of his old secretaries. That is the reason for his divorce. Uh, who is the only other person who knew tick, 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 the combination tick, 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 to? Tick, 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 you don't have tick, to do tick, tick, that. Tick, this, that doesn't. This count. isn't that funny anymore. <laughs> this like really isn't funny anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm so trying to. F- Please, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so essentially, he suspects that his uh, old secretary is. The woman that he was seeing that caused his uh, divorce earlier in life. Um, the only person who knows. The well, he caused his divorce earlier yes. in life. Yeah, she stole. He thinks that she stole his <laughs> ten bonds. Seconds. I need ten. <laughs> <coughs> yes, that she thinks that uh, he thinks that she stole uh, some of his bonds, fifty thousand dollars in bonds, um, and then she says that she has some of the money, but there's someone else who has some the rest of the money, and he says, oh, I think I know who that is, kind of storms out, and the mystery is, okay, <coughs> did he go to kill this other person? Who is he suspecting? Um, and that's when he goes missing. So uh, the, the secretary ends up dead, um, as well as... Uh, some other people involved in the crime. I mean, I, some of this is kind of... There are of, a few people who are kind of discarded by the end and weren't ultimately... But it's mostly it's mostly his kind of ex-girlfriend uh, secretary who is, who is murdered. Um, and in her hand... And ev- eventually he himself is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and so, yeah, it, it's so hard to like summarize. It's tough like, to follow. I mean, here. like I like I I said I um, this is too much information, I guess. But like I watched it really late, and like I. I had trouble keeping up with the plot itself, yep. as I think a lot of us did. Uh, which, like, not only goes to show that, like, well, I mean, like, I'm not trying to excuse us, but, like, the fact that we just had so much trouble summarizing it may means something, right? Like, it means that, that, A, the plot itself is not that important to this movie, and, B, that maybe it wasn't terribly well done, uh, to Nick's point. Um, like, in the big reveal where it's revealed that it was actually uh, the thin man, Clyde Winant's uh, attorney, who killed all of them, I didn't know who he was. And I, like, I had to look either. it up. I did been... for two minutes or yeah. yeah, very, very short. And, you know, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about that. I was going to say that maybe he has something to say about the structure of noir and, like, the sort sure. of gotcha moment. But it really, it and really like, doesn't. It just feels poorly And, executed. like, maybe, you know... Uh, like maybe it's it's sensibilities that that don't work for us because of our respective backgrounds and experiences uh but all that is to say like it didn't super work for us right mm-hmm. like the fact that we're having trouble summarizing probably is evidence that it didn't work for us uh and i don't know if that's a bad like if that's necessarily um damning for the movie uh i don't know if it's damning for our my it could reading just be comprehension. All it could be yeah, all incredibly that's stupid. Literally, it's almost always true. Yes. a possibility. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, like maybe the great singular possibility of my life. <laughs> it's like everything makes sense if only I understand finally that I am stupid. Um, um, I will say I was able to pick out. I mean, like they say Macaulay, and I was like, I they had placed him in the movie at some point. See, I mean, it, it's kind of like the like the old Harry, what you were talking about, um, just kind of like the contrived. Um, what come to be just like the the tropes of noir and about mystery stories where like Macaulay is the individual who is out, out of anybody at the table beyond Nora he is like Nick Charles's biggest ally in that case um, and he's also the person that they like talk about the least and like accuse the least often um, so if you are looking at a picture of everybody at that table you know the hundreds of people sitting at this dinner table by the end like it's not that I mean, not that knowing the ending of a movie is necessarily damning for it, but, I mean, that also says something, as you mm-hmm. said. So to may- maybe sum up the plot near the end, um, so kind of a central question is whether the Thin Man uh, is is kind of the culprit here and has been murdering people that stole money from him, or... Uh, as we're led to believe by the end of the second act, basically. Well, kind of led to believe, but you get the feeling that Nick Charles never really believes that. Right, uh, I don't think we are ever supposed to on. believe it, but, like, that is a, a sort of, like, the established the uh, idea that. of the universe, yeah. yeah. And it's like it appears in the newspaper, there are a few different great shots to newspapers um, that say that, yeah. Newspapers spinning, you know, yeah, exactly. on the it's printing classic. press. Yep. Um, one other, sorry, one other effect I really liked, um, like, I think it talked about, like, the it was like showcasing the story getting out to people across the country. There's this really that great... Net that this, unfolds? Yeah, this net that, yeah. like, unfolds, uh, like, it starts with a hole in, like, the New York area. In and New it York, just, yep. Yeah, it explodes over this... It's this a practical effect, right? It's, like, yeah, well, yeah. a wooden map with a hole in it that they drag exactly. this, like, It looks fish great. Net it looks, yeah, it, it looks awesome. Yeah. I, I remember watching that and just, like, I, like, I perked up a little nice. bit. Nice, like, yeah, by this, I definitely by this remember point, that, like, too. we're kind of bogged down, but I saw that, like, this is something new. This looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a little cartoonish, and it's a nice splash of yeah. like flavor. And right. What are mostly like uh, not super dynamic. Uh, like it's good stage settings, but it yeah. looks a lot like a like a stage play. Yeah, it sounds a lot like a stage play. There's also like an exhibition of really good uh, like montage editing 
um, in my mind, just like these like kind of swipe cuts um, where they're like showing people. I, I think it was shortly after the like the murder was reported or it happened immediately and after right yeah and they do like, like the kurosawa wipes is yeah that sure? exactly yeah, yeah the, the kurosawa wipes um as yeah they've come to have been called only in this room uh but um and maybe Just elsewhere use the bathroom to the kurosawa wipe Boop. nope <laughs> that's the only way i can clean myself off well that really shat on my point oh, cleaning yourself up high and low <laughs> <laughs> anyways mm. <laughs> That was Try Love Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so the, the kind of climax of the film is that, you know, Nick Charles gets the impression that, uh, you know, the thin man uh, is dead. He's not actually the one murdering people. Uh, he believes this because there is a body found in his, uh, in his lab uh, that is buried, and a lot of people are thinking that this is uh, the body of uh, a person that the thin man had, like, a minor disagreement with a number of years ago. And Nick kind of correctly... Uh, uh, learns that it is actually the Thin Man who has been dead this entire time and so he calls basically all of the suspects to a dinner party uh, to basically hash it out and kind of figure he, out... He surmises that there's like a 100% chance through deductive reasoning that the people he invites one of them has to be the murderer and he just needs to figure it out and he's going to do it at this dinner party. Which at this point he's the only person who knows that the Thin Man is dead and he specifically invites the Thin Man's daughter who thinks that he is still alive and missing to then reveal to everybody, including, again, this person's daughter, that this dude is fucking dead as shit. Which is so kind of fucked it's, up. It's super fucked up. Plot. Ever, ever yeah. the showman, Nick Charles, uh, for better and for worse. Yeah, I mean, Nick Charles is an asshole, right? Yes. Like, that guy kind of sucks, but, like, yeah. <laughs> she, she kind of like, oh, no, my dad! And he says, like, I'm sorry to reveal it to you this way. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, what the fuck? That's incredibly yes. fucked up to do. Did he think she was the murderer? Like, come I on. I guess she's a suspect, right? Like, uh, she she especially been. was going through, like, really, um, like, very uh, obvious stages of grief just like her like she kind of shrugs Tommy away she kicks him out of their house because she's so distraught and like I like very uh, wary of the fact that like oh like my my father murdered all these people his family is nothing but a bunch of murderers stay away she from even, me she even tries to commit uh, to admit to the crime yes of, of yep. killing of killing his secretary just to like end it and and like right uh, Take, take the fall, yes. I guess. Yeah, there's a really wild, like, bad seed uh, theory discussed in the middle of this where, like, at one point Dorothy thinks that she is, like, tainted by her genes because her dad is a, a murderer. And, like, she talks about how she doesn't want to get married and she doesn't want to have kids because the, like bloodline can't right. continue. The heat and Mitsurugi style Gil- must not pass to the next Gilbert generation. Like, he's like, a well, one, Gilbert, of course. one of your four children uh, statistically will be a murderer. Which, like, like that's, damn. That's not bad. Like, big mood, and Dorothy. Then, and, then, and then he says, he says, uh, but if you have three, then it won't be a problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty like, great he's line. He's like, wait, what if the first one's the murderer? Oh, mm, never mind. I'll, solved think it. About yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, he's, I'll have to look that up, and then he opens his fucking book again, Point Dexter. I really want to steal his goddamn lunch money. be the murderer, just to, just to see him go the fuck away forever. He can't, like, he has no poker face. Like, yeah, literally yeah. everything he's thinking he says, it's he could never face. be a murderer. <laughs> I've never wanted to shove a movie character in a locker so bad in my yeah, life. Dude. <laughs> oh Fucking dweeb. Totally. Uh, For real. What, my, what is everybody's favorite non, like, plot-focused moment in this movie? Or, like, I guess, rather... 
to narrow it down, their favorite moment between Nick and Nora. I have mine. Um, I have mine too. Uh, it's not uh, a line necessarily. Um, it's like the first instance of this, and I think there are a few other exchanges similar to this. But um, as Nick is comforting um, Dorothy at the party, like she shows up, she's in like really bad shape, oh, and he's just like giving her an embrace. Uh, and then Nora walks in at that moment, um, and then the uh, the camera pans, I believe, to Nick, and he gives her like this like long. He basically sticks his tongue out at her. Yeah, yeah, and then Nora does this brilliant, like, scrunching of the face, like, as it, you know, like the stinky kind of. It's brilliant, right? Because, like, in in any other movie that would have been played straight, and it would have been, like, a dramatic moment. He was, like, he was, yeah. But she knows that he is. We're too much in love. Like, there's no way. Yeah, not only is there no way, but she also knows that, oh, now he's actually involved in the case. Exactly. I I get to watch my husband solve the case. Like, I'm so excited for it. And also, like, like maybe that, like, Dorothy's not interested in fucking Nick Charles. She has an edible complex. I was about to say, not as much as her brother. (laughs) Yeah, well. (laughs) Uh, I want to give. Yeah. I'm going to give mine because it is. This movie takes place in and around Christmas time. And like the oh, morning, you're stealing like, mine. Fuck. Say it at the same time. Jesus Christ! Just say the thing. So they wake up Christmas morning, and it's the scene is set where Nick is laying on the couch with his toy pop, excuse me, toy pop gun, and Nora is just like really slouched, just completely lazy. They're crazy hungover. They're just like trashed. And Which she's again, just like man, this movie serves some big moods. Like I yeah. love the idea of like just it's Christmas and like you're just laying on the couch and like you feel like garbage and you just know that like oh, but like this is the rest of my day and so like there's yeah. something yeah, it's really great. But anyway, uh, and Nick is firing off his pop gun at balloons hanging from the Christmas tree, and he's like hits them all and he just keeps doing it in increasingly like ridiculous ways. He like props <laughs> it between his feet as he's clapped them above his head. And he's and wearing like, like a smoking jacket yeah. or like a robe. And he tries to do like a mirror shot where he faces the opposite direction and points the gun behind his head and then he just shatters the window. <laughs> Which and there's uh, no reaction from Nora at all. She just yeah. like Okay. <laughs> like she knew, like she already knew it was going to happen, and then she makes fun of him. It's and an also that season. that pop gun, that BB gun pistol, that's like for boy, literally Ralphie, you'll shoot your eye out. Yes, is her Christmas present to him, <laughs> which is like also a hilarious burn. Like this idea that like, oh yeah, my like no account former detective husband. I know what I'll get him. I'll get him a fucking BB gun. <laughs> but like, like this, scene this is, is that shit you like, right? It, it, it's tied into all of that like great character work, but it also is just. It's a long scene. It's like a two-minute scene, probably, and no music to it at all. You're just hearing the snap and the pop of the balloons, and it's just... And it concludes with him doing, like, the pretending he's asleep. Like, he was asleep the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. He literally just rolls over. He just over. rolls over facing away he from her. He the camera. Uh, there's... Uh, they're having this a talk about her Christmas presents. He, he asks her what time it is, and she checks with a new wristwatch. And he's like, where did you get that wristwatch? And she's like, oh, it was a present. And he said, I didn't get that for you. And then she says, yes, you did. And then he there's another present that he got her also. And then he's like, I didn't get you that either. And, and she goes, yes, you did. And he goes, oh, I'm spoiling you. And like, that's <laughs> just a really cute, fun scene. It's, yeah, uh, their Aaron, relationship in this is really great. Aaron, Nick, did you have like a favorite Nick Nora moment? Because that's where this like we can talk about the plot and about the noir and stuff. But, like the heart of it is them. Yeah, right. It's what and, like that's, that's the, what kept the series going the for bit. five movies. It's yeah. like that's the the like unique twist, right? Is that like oh, it's a it's a detective noir, but like we have a really charming couple, and they're the the detectives. It was Nick Buddy and Noir. 
Yeah. Thank you for listening to Trail Well, Nick, Aaron, either of you wants to say anything to help us forget what Cody just said? Yeah, so there's... There's a scene where this suspect breaks into their apartment. Well, he doesn't break in. He knocks and Nora lets the him gangster, in. The gangster, right? Right, yeah. yeah. And he ends up shooting Nick. It grazes him. And the next scene is them waking up. It might be the Christmas scene. I'm not sure. Um, but she tells him that she read it in the tabloids that he got oh, shot. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he got <laughs> shot five times in the, in the tabloids. Yep. He says, that's not true. He was never near my tabloids. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Woo! I'm just so, I forgot that, but that's it's great. so great. the funniest it's line in the so whole great. movie. <laughs> I saw, I heard you were shot five times in the tabloids. <laughs> Aaron, are you struggling to come up with one? I'm str- uh, I already, I liked the, the yeah, the Grant's tomb line. I, I thought it's really was, good. I thought it was good. That I like great. just, they are drinking so much in this movie, just nonstop alcohol like they there's a scene the scene uh where the gangster comes in um it's like after the party and it's, it's i don't know it's supposed to be like what like two in the morning or something like that and he's just like do you want a drink dear and she's like no 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 and he gets up and he does something and once he gets back in bed she's like actually i do want a drink and he's like, Gotta <laughs> she, get back up. she pointedly <laughs> waits until he's completely under the covers again and then she's like i will actually have that drink and like he looks at her and he's like yes darling and he whatever. just like pours her, like i think it's like straight gin or yeah. straight vodka there's right after in that same scene that Nick was mentioning where he, where uh, Nick Nick was mentioning where Nick gets shot. I'm so sorry, Nick. Uh, I hope you're feeling better. <laughs> I am five worry. times in the tabloids. Uh, and sh- and uh, in, in the confusion, um, Nick grabs a pillow to throw at the ass- assailant, and he like accidentally punches Nora. He like, no, he, like her elbows out. her off the bed. Yeah, he intentionally. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's intentional. intentional. Is he? Because she yeah. was in the line of fire, he does say that. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so he knocks her out, she falls off the bed, the scene plays out, and then he comes back to her and he's like, oh, Nora, are you okay? And he, he wakes her up by pouring gin in her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> also she's that. Uh, like, immediately awake. It's just you you g- get the feeling that alcohol is the solution to a lot of their <laughs> <laughs> problems. Yeah. It's like the opposite of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? With the, uh, did you, have you I guys got, ever seen it? Sorry. Oh. Wow. Sorry. Wow. Fake film friends this is a lowbrow podcast <laughs> yeah well, a lowbrow podcast in my podcast defense it's a play first okay so that's yeah. okay yeah what it's the opposite and what it, in it's about two alcoholics who hate each other and they're married oh that my sounds God. amazing and all they do they invite uh another couple over and the whole thing takes place in one living room with only four characters it's really and they good. all just drink all night just dozens and dozens of bottles of booze damn like and they end up hating each other more for it uh, it gets violent. Ooh. Yeah. At the end, they figure out which one of them is afraid of Virginia Woolf. <laughs> they have a big dinner actually, party. Actually, you joke, but that actually is the <laughs> end line of the of the movie. It was me play. all along. I uh, was afraid of Virginia Woolf. Uh, Somebody with, says Miss Dalloway, and he just fucking <laughs> runs out of the room. Without having seen that, um, that does remind me of the general premise of the movie Carnage um, by uh, Paul oh. Rolanski. Uh, but it's just like four people in a living room drinking increasingly heavy, heavily he- drinking increasingly heavy amounts of alcohol, yeah. and just like devolving uh, yep. into single room dramas. Rule, yeah. What is that? Very recent, like was 2012, I think. Okay, there's some movie that just came out called Carnage. Uh, that's different. You're thinking the yeah. sequel to Venom, which is not out yet, but is scheduled so for Venom release. And Venom. They ain't gonna know what did them. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, we should do a Venom episode. We anyway, should, um, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Not Venom. I can tell you that much. Oh, great he would Venom simply would eat her. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. question. In a fight, Venom any day. Oh, yeah. yeah okay, v- Venom versus Nora Charles. 
a venom. Do you think her personality would change <laughs> at all? Na- name any human being. Watch this. Just name somebody. Aaron Venom. Grossman. Venom. Venom. Venom would trash me. Venom is a, you fucking kidding me? An alien. He's a symbiote. Yeah, Ma- he would Ma- wreck my shit. Marshall Mathers. Yeah. Oh, he wouldn't know what hit him. Uh, actually, you know what? Eminem, Eminem made a uh, song, promotion, promotional song. Yeah, I know. That's what he's been singing. Lines to terrible. Oh, is it actually? Yeah. Um, no lines from that fucking song. Because it yeah, rules, dude. dude. It's a really fucking good. Movie. Venom is great. Oh, okay, Venom is great. Um, we've been talking about the the dialogue uh, of this movie, and Harry, as you said, that Nick and Nora are kind of matched blow for blow, and like they, they like they kind of spar with each other um, as far as banter goes, and things are pretty even. Um, that isn't to say the like the gender politics and dynamics in this are like one hundred percent one hundred percent kosher. Um, in that same scene where Nick gets shot five times in the tabloids, um, I think it's a police officer um, that like after Nora gets socked, like one of the police officers says, "Now there's a girl with hair on her chest." Which yeah, just it sucks. man, that I mean, the police officers so suck in this movie. Yes, yeah, they're, which they're is like a funny extremely dynamic. like the Sherlock Holmes guy. I can't remember his name, but like the Scotland, Guild? the yeah, yeah. I, I meant the Sherlock Holmes. Oh, character. oh, but um, Sherlock you know, Holmes, uh, the the inspector from Scotland Yard who's like like uh, blowhard and is always a step behind Sherlock. Like that is a guy represented in this movie by uh, Lieutenant Guild Nat Pendleton, who comes back who in the sequel. He just like the the. The purest distillation of like the hard boiled. He's so yeah. fucking meaty. He's like, like his, his face is Isn't it just he's fucking chomping stogies in every scene? Like his, he's got his a giant cigar. Gilbert. It is. He is really good casting for he's that. The kind of guy that like in like a modern movie, like someone would punch him in the face and it would just like glance off and they yeah. like, stare. At their He'd be the, a the bit. Indiana Jones bad guy where you hit him and it hurts your hand and yeah, then the guy goes, oh, yeah, and then you kick him in the nuts, right? My tabloids. I'm I'm very I'm very happy with this movie. This is a movie that I watched a lot as a kid. Uh, my mom introduced oh, me really? to like, yeah. My, this is a movie. Happy Mother's mom. Day, Jason's mom. Yeah, thank you, mom. Mom, I was about thank to say you, Jason's thank you, like, mom. This episode <laughs> will come out in yeah, what? It's being recorded on Mother's Day. Happy, happy Father's yeah. Day, Jason's call, mom. I happy Mother's Day. I, had, I said happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, but it is a movie like I was introduced to classic cinema through TCM, Turn Classic Movies, which was a channel. I don't know if it's even still a channel. Yeah, yeah it is. is yeah. It? yeah. Um, I'm trying to make it sound as if I'm an old person. I don't even know if they have those televisions anymore. Uh, but it, uh, and this was one of the series like they would often play the whole run of Thin Man films, and I don't remember ever watching actually many of the sequels. But I do remember watching the Thin Man a lot, uh, and it's just one of those movies that I described it in my Letterbox review as like a movie that I watched so much that I just forgotten almost or forgotten almost all about it by now. Yeah. So then when it came back up and it was playing as part of the Myrna Loy series at the Trilon, I figured like great reason to revisit it uh, and I just got all those same feelings again like how many thin men are there there are five movies it's like I the think? Zatoshi of the West <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say Zatoshi of the West I believe no, so it's Z- Zatoshi Zatoichi uh, they're like there's like Zatoichi. an alphabet's worth of those movies I swear yeah, yeah. Asta, yeah. Asta, uh, Asta to Zatoichi isn't the whole thing about hey, those films is that it's not like any intellectual property Good. that one? They don't like can't anybody. Yeah, make they're a the, they're like uh, um, Godzilla movies or something. Sure. Or like except Tojo had that for a long yeah. time. But yeah, or uh, I was gonna say uh, just anybody can. To- make a did I say Tojo? I meant Toho, right? Toho. Yeah, Toho. Yeah. Toho. I was thinking Tojo Clan from the Yakuza <laughs> series. <laughs> I've now fulfilled my obligation to bring up Yakuza on every single episode of this podcast, <laughs> including the I'll Thin Man. Back in for video. Goro Majima is quite a thin man when you think about it, and he has a mystery to He's solve too. Play Yakuza Zero. 
okay. It's good. It's a fine yeah. game. Fine game. Yeah. Fine, fine film. Game. Fine, fine film. Game great. Good. good game. Fine film. Good game. I bring up yeah because it's zero a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not big <laughs> on that series. I know. You're not. Ooh, I, don't, I don't think it's bad. I know. You're it's not. just not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick, Much like this movie, Nick, you're, you're, you're the guest here, and I want you to give me like generally your take on this movie. Like, what do you think spurred a whole series uh, of it? Do you think it, it, it has to be the relationship yeah. between Nick and Nora? Like, there's nothing else. If it, that wasn't in this movie, it's just nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's too generic, I think, and the whole twist and everything is stupid. So like, there's nothing, there's nothing <laughs> not for wrong. this movie other than those two characters and their dialogue and their banter. I I don't I, think I disagree with that necessarily. I was about yet. to say I like I think it's mean to say that, but I think it might be true. Like, <laughs> it, it honestly that is what carries the whole film. Like, uh, this b- movie being only like literally five or six years how long into um, talkie movies from like 1927 to this movie seven years I guess. Uh, think about like if seven years ago we had just gotten sound in films like if you could, could just hear somebody's voice and like how much you would write into this movie how many lines you would have people yeah. speak this, yeah. is, this is pre-code too so this is before a lot of like censorship uh, and a lot of standards were applied yeah uh, so that that's why there are I mean there is the weird thing where uh, Nick and Nora sleep in separate beds despite yeah. clearly having a very romantic relationship that was yeah that um, was that was just film in general until what yeah like Lucille Ball or I, Maybe people did that shit. I don't know. It sounds weird to be. But maybe people <laughs> fucked in 1930? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, but how do you pick which bed? You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, there, there, no, there, no, I'm not going to go the off film, on that one. The film does end with Asa uh, looking ashamed that his parents are fucking in the bunk bed <laughs> below Did the old eye cover? Yeah. Cutest fucking performance from that dog, by the way. Yeah, Great I, little I t- Scotty Terrier. Why do you, do you? Wow. I just, I just every, The dog was like... So clearly, I like a dog in a movie. I like a good movie dog. <laughs> but this dog, it felt like they just edited in the scenes afterward. Like the dog's just hanging out and it's like, What are you doing over there, Asta? And I'll like cut to the dog, just be like, Ooh, I'm gonna let her out. And it's like, Dog finds the pivotal clue. I, yeah, I know that fucking sucks. It just. Here, well, I mean, eventually. Set we'll, up and pay off. Eventually it's called we'll good writing. writing. <laughs> it's there, called good writing. Eventually we'll get to him. The, the Thin Man uh, saga. I mean, it, it has the uh, the spinoffs, right, about the dog called the Asta and the Furious. I wish I was dead. Hell yeah. Uh, Jason, what did you, you said you watched this a lot as a kid. What did you get from this coming back to it? Uh, you, I cut you off, sort of. I apologize for that. But, like, you said you watched this a lot on uh, Turner Classic Movies with your mom, right? What... What did having that experience teach you about this movie, if anything? Like, it, did it? Did you see a lot of like your sensibilities, or like, did you see where a lot of what you like about movies come from, or at least something along those lines? That's a great question. One flashing thought, and it's been like fifteen years ago. It's probably the last time I watched this movie, so I was very young, um, if that. And I think honestly, when I was watching this movie, the thing that stuck out to me is like how self-deprecating and yet loving both of those characters are, and like just infinite jabbing at one another and yet there's like always that return to uh, uh, normalcy calm and, and sweetness between them and I think that I I don't mean to give myself like credit for it but I think that a lot of my humor is very self-deprecating and I think it probably came from those like all of my friendly and loving relationships with people are very like facetiously angry and hateful <laughs> honestly if I've got a, like I don't I didn't remember any interactions or lines I remember the relationship between these characters I remember the so you think you have a personal humor style 
You would you think that you uh, <laughs> that was seems like biggest a pointed criticism night. here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to recreate the subject matter that we were speaking about. It's called it's good it's writing. Conceptual. <laughs> uh, no, I I like. Just take a bunch of here. It was too focused, I think. Uh, well, I was too focused on learning and trying to remember, like, if I remembered anything about the plot to really, like... Because it was... Um, was it everybody else's first time watching this movie? It was, yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, so, like... And you had that moment where you were, like, ramping back up to understanding the, understanding these characters and understanding the dynamic. Where I think, I think that I remembered that that was, like, their operating level. Like, that was how they were and stuff, so maybe it was, like, easier for me to focus on the plot, even though it's a completely, like... Doesn't make much. It doesn't need to make sense. The plot ultimately, and uh, it doesn't. And it, and it <laughs> kind like the pieces fit together. But do you? It do does. You, do you care? Yeah. And right. like, is it relevant? Not it's, really. It's interesting, like watching movies that you that you loved when you were a kid, or like you know haven't seen in a while. Like going back to them, it, it is kind of interesting how like how little plot really matters, especially for like movies that made a big impression on you when you were younger. Like I cannot honestly tell you the plot of like Men in Black and I've seen that movie like a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I get the general plot, like, you know, the J and K and there's Men in Black and mm-hmm. they're alien cops kind of, but like and Vincent the actual Anafrio plot of like the whole thing. Yeah, uh Egger suit. Like I remember that, you know what I mean? But like Nothing else about that movie I don't really remember the plot of. Even when I was watching, like, Star Wars when I was younger, like, I didn't really comprehend the plot of Star Wars probably until I was, like, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And, like, oh, wait, there's actual politics in this movie, right? right. There's, like, actual forces at play here. And and I think that's what I'm trying to get at when I mention, like, plot as a result, as a, in, in reflection upon watching this movie again, is, like, I still didn't care much about the plot. I still didn't, like, really need it this time around. Yeah, I definitely... I think that's a hallmark of the genre, to be honest. I really feel like mysteries um, are not plot-based in reality. I think that they're mostly about getting from point A to point B because of the journey. And, Mm -hmm. like, the point A and point B almost don't matter. And I think that this movie does a really good job of illustrating that. What is that term uh, that's used in storytelling when, like, the ultimate goal doesn't matter? Like the uh, a MacGuffin, a MacGuffin, MacGuffin, uh, MacGuffin. Yeah, how can I forget the that? Maltese Falcon itself is the most famous MacGuffin in but film like, history. But like you say that yeah. in noir, the entire plot is MacGuffin. Yeah, like absolutely. That, that and that's how this movie feels. The real thing like. then was the friends we made along the way. Literally, <laughs> uh, that would be some kind of thin man. I, I liked what you said about, <laughs> about how did he get that line this time? <laughs> he never <laughs> goes for that. I don't even like that joke. I just did it because it was there. What yeah. were you about to say, Harry? Uh, nothing. I don't. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> nothing fucking matters. <laughs> really what were, you, what were you gonna say i liked what you said about uh self-deprecating uh relationships and writing a lot especially i think you you made a really good point about how like this was seven years into movies with sound i for whatever reason i didn't think of that at all but like the idea that you would create really dialogue heavy movies um and and sort of lead through dialogue uh totally makes sense from mm-hmm. that perspective um and i really I think we, uh, Cody and I, we talked about how there are sensibilities in movies that aren't necessarily good or bad, but that you maybe just like. And I think this is a really big one for me. Like, I love movies that are, like, all dialogue. Um, a lot of Hitchcock movies are like that. Um, this movie is certainly, and, and like you said, we're like, all of the relationships in this movie have an angle. They sort of, they all have their own, like, code speak, almost. Mm-hmm. We're like, uh... Uh, Nora and Nick, like, literally have, like, a a relationship that is almost incomprehensible from the outside. And, like, the joy of this movie for me is is getting to be a part of that, Mm -hmm. getting to see the way that these people... Being on the joke. Right, that, that, like, we get to to come away with a a deeper understanding of their relationship that uh, we, we... 
um, feel privileged in knowing and being part of. Um, and it's really interesting to hear you uh, say that you feel like you've had that with other relationships because, like, that totally uh, makes sense. It, That's great. It's not – I won't say that uh, – just to go off on a personal tangent, I won't say that it's always been the most healthy. Like, to never express true feeling around another person is not great for relationships in general. But I do, like – it's almost – unmistakable in like in the slate of movies I've watched in the media I've consumed like this is a strong like Jason trying to relate to a person vibe to me like I still love this movie I will always love this movie yeah I like this movie a whole lot I do too this this movie has one black person uh, and and he is, I believe, a train kind of uh, like a bellboy waiter. Style. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yes. Yep. And it's he is seen once. He carries something off. He's probably. I forget if he says. If he, even he does. He says something like, "Can I keep these cool for you?" But it's like a deferential sort of waiter, like right. and asking subservient. Yeah, it's it's not great. Not great. Nope. Nineteen thirty four. It's not great. Not great. Nope. Important to call that out, though. Like it's not. And again, like the gender politics in this movie are not great either. Um as a lot of those detective noir stories often are. That, yeah. I don't know if anybody else got this feeling, and I won't go off on too much of a tangent, but about halfway through, maybe like partway through the second act, it feels like Nora, once Nick is really like full into the case, it feels like Nora is there a little bit for flavor. Like The relationship is still very strong, but as far as her importance to the plot, in in, in as much as the plot yeah. is important, she feels a little bit sidelined. And just yes. I really yeah. wanted her to solve the mystery. I, I wanted really her thought that's where the movie was going. That would have been the theme of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, a real character arc for her, and like, how she discovers her. Yeah. Uh, again, like, this this sounds like me talking about uh, Tashiro Mifune crying at the end of The Hidden fortress where it's just like i'm arm seat directing but it's like man fucking nora should have solved this mystery like that's what the movie was yep. it's, stu- it's stupid that that isn't what happened i feel like she's given more of a of a real like plot focused and agency driven role in later movies oh. of this series i i think i was gonna say like it seems because this movie and this entire series of films is marketed as like a husband and wife solving mysteries and that doesn't happen in this movie to that extent they don't share the same amount of screen time yeah. it's about nick and his wife not nick and nora solving mysteries yeah not nora and nick right or nora and nick exactly it's good it's a good movie it's a fine film sounds like everybody's done yeah. everybody done nick yeah. do you want to have anything else to say no nope. you want to dissuade us shots. <laughs> yeah come on get get one last jab in there not unlike Nick and Norland. Did you like the dog or no? The dog was great. The dog, the dog was, was great. aside the from the dialogue. Sociopath. The dog, I just, I just think they played up the dog. Aside the from the dialogue, the dog was the only other thing I liked about the movie. <laughs> so. Also, not my favorite kind of dog. I, you know, all dogs are great, but it's not my, uh, not my preferred. Aaron Grossman hates dogs. Wrong no, for America. I, actually, I love dogs. <laughs> Wrong for dogs, wrong for America, wrong for you. <laughs> Soon to wrong be a you. shirt and bumper sticker in the Tri-Love also, shop. Asta's Aaron Grossman hates dogs. Dog. Asta? Asta? The name Asta? Yeah. I think yeah. you're acting like a real Asta right now. Acting like a real Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a logical name for a dog. This is a logical Got place em. to end the episode. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to the Tri-Love. I'm Jason. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. I'm Harry. I'm Nick. Hey, he said it. Uh, <laughs> join us next time for the next movie we do. That wasn't a long enough pause to own Nick for that. <laughs> but this was. Yep. <laughs>